there are divine times, divine appointments that God understands even when we don't. Special encounters with the Holy Ghost that uplifts and moves upon our hearts and lives. And I think sometimes the world can get us down. Our circumstances can uh, control us instead of us controlling them. I've often heard very similar things that uh, you can't control people what, what people do, but you can control how you react to it. And, and sometimes our reaction gets the better of us. Sometimes you just get beat down and that gets the better of you. And let's just be honest. And I was reading probably about a week ago in Joshua. And I come across one little phrase that just stuck in my mind. As I'm reading through and we're nearing the end of Joshua's life, there was this phrase, all came to pass. And that is exactly the title tonight. I put a subtitle on it of the promises of God. But if you would, turn to Joshua 21 and verse 45. And as you find that, if you would stand for the reading of the word. And I'm going to read it two different ways just to, to make clear and plain exactly what's being said. So there failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel all came to pass. Another way said, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for this opportunity to gather together. Lord, to worship you. Lord, not just to fill time on a Wednesday night or to fill a pew. But God, I do sincerely believe in divine times and divine appointments. Lord, I believe that when you birth something, that it comes to pass. When you speak something, it comes to pass. When you move, things happen. Lord, we don't see, we don't understand always, but I know that upon you every promise that you make of good to us, Lord, shall come to pass. Lord, I pray for that very thing tonight, that this be a divinely appointed time in your presence. Lord, so that we could understand that when you speak something, it is truth and it is certain. Let what we do in this house tonight glorify and honor you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, sometimes we have a lot of difficulty wrapping our minds around things. In a world of instant gratification and seemingly immeasurable amounts of information, it is very difficult for us to process or understand the waiting that is often involved when it comes to the spiritual things of life. You see, we're accustomed to having every answer right at our fingertips. I can get on my smartphone and I can open up my internet browser and I've got the answer to anything that I want immediately. And it makes it nearly impossible for us to wait with patience to see how things will actually work together and play out in our lives. 
And, and I, I must admit that I'm bad for that if me and Joni's watching something and something piques my interest and I want to know more about it, I'm immediately on my phone and I've got the answers before the commercial's over because it's just right at your fingertips. We want, when we want to know something, we want to know it right now. When we want something, whatever it may be that we want, we want it right now. We live in a society where you can get a, a meal that would have taken two to three hours to fix just some years back, and now you can put it in a microwave, and it's done in a minute and a half, two minutes. You can drive out, and you can drive through Burger King, and they'll give it to you your way. That's what they say. We've forgotten the power of wait. As in, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Wait, at least from this in Isaiah 40 and 31, means to persevere with an expectancy. Now see, we don't have a problem with expectations. We expect a whole lot of things. But we do have a problem with persevering. You see, if we don't get what we want right now, and this is, I'm talking especially to Christians, when we don't get it right now from the Lord, we just naturally assume that it's not the Lord's will for us to have it. We can't deny that. I've done it. We've all done it. We'll pray about something and God hasn't delivered within two or three days or two or three weeks. It falls off the radar and all of a sudden it's not meant for me to have that right now. Or we just lose focus and desire. Sometimes it's not even a thought of whether it's meant to be or whether it's not meant to be. We just lose our focus and desire and move on to the next thing. You know, I'm thankful that God doesn't have this same mindset and same problem. And that He doesn't function in the same way that we function. Can I tell you that there's prayers that I've prayed over the years that I have long since forgotten. I can look at you in here tonight and to a person I can tell you that every one of you in here has prayed some prayer that you've forgotten totally about. There are probably many prayers prayed about me that I know nothing about. I had a great-grandmother. Her name was Gracie Webb, and she hasn't prayed a prayer in 30 years. She passed away in 1993. But I can about know for certain that there were prayers that she prayed over her family, including me, because I spent a lot of time at her house, that probably haven't even been answered yet, but I can promise you that they are still in the ears of the Lord. Even though she is dead and gone and she's enjoying her reward, the prayers that were prayed are not forgotten. She's gone. She can't recount them. Her children don't know them. Her grandchildren never heard them. And me, her great-grandchild, probably never knew things she prayed about me, but those prayers are still in the ears of the Lord. Every prayer that's been whispered throughout history is still fresh in the mind of God. When Jesus Christ knelt down in the garden in John chapter 17 and he prayed first for himself and then he prayed for the disciples and he prayed for all of those even afar off that would come to believe that was for me and that was for you. That prayer 2,000 years ago is still fresh in the mind of God tonight. It is still in his ear. Prayers from generations ago are still in his hearing and they are still in his power. I'm certain that the Israelites who were in bondage 
of slavery in Egypt for 400 years. They prayed, no doubt, for deliverance and for breakthrough and for victory throughout them years. There's little doubt that they prayed for the day that they would possess their blessed promised land that God had assured that they would possess. They were promised the presence of the Lord. I know they prayed for mental and spiritual and physical rest at times. Yet here all of it is, even Canaan, that they were promised. And they're just sitting back and looking at it, wondering when. Prayers that had been several generations back, some probably even going back 400 years, they had never heard, but they were still fresh in the mind of God. The promises were still fresh in the mind of the Lord. You have to go all the way back to Genesis to understand what I'm talking about. In Genesis chapter 12, it starts out saying, Now the Lord has said unto Abram, he hadn't even changed to Abraham yet. He was still Abram. He said, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee. And I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In 15, it says, after, the, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And yet here, 400 years later, is this great nation, so great that they're in slavery, so great they don't understand how to break the chains of bondage, so great that they have to beg for a little relief on their daily quota. So great that they probably didn't feel blessed at all, even though God said they will be blessed. They didn't have a great name. And I doubt that they understood that the Lord was their shield and their great reward while they were living in slavery in a foreign land. I suspect that they had prayed, but they had forgotten the promise. Maybe they thought that God had forgotten also, or that he no longer cared, or it could be any number of things. But what we need to understand, and what I need you to understand tonight, and what I've come to tell you tonight, is that God does not forget. God does not forget the promises that he has made to us. Promises in his word, promises he's made to us as we've prayed to him. The mind of God is still fresh and new. It is still in his hearing. It is still in his mind and it is still in his power. Because what I know for certain that all the promises of God in him are yea and in him are amen unto the glory of God by us. All the promises the promises that you remember and the promises that you don't remember. This assurance that we have back in Joshua chapter 21 of all come to pass. What that is is the ground of hope and confidence to the people of God in every age. 
that every promise in due time will be accomplished. Let me tell you that again. All came to pass is the ground of hope and confidence to the people of God in every age that every promise of God in due time will be accomplished. It's not in your power to win the day. Your power cannot win the day. But can I tell you whose power it is in? It's in the power of the omnipotent God to carry you forth from day to day, to carry you out of whatever you're in the midst of. It's in His power and His will to deliver upon the promises that have been made to you, whether you remember them or not. At the end of the 21st chapter of Joshua, there's a beautiful promise and assurance that all is well in the hands of God. Tonight, we need to understand, I need to understand, you need to understand that all is well in the hands of the Lord. Even when this was written, they still had battles in front of them. Even when the words that all came to pass was spoken, they still had battles ahead to face. As those words were spoken, there was trouble brewing within the Israeli camp. Even as those words were spoken, the enemy was still lurking around among them. And yet, in the midst of it all, the promise of God stands. You can go back to verse 43, and it says, And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware unto give unto the fathers. They possessed it, and they dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. Their Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught any of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. Now sometimes I suspect we feel a lot like they do. Our problems of life seem almost identical to the situation of the Israelites at this moment. Now, I know exactly what the text says, but I know if you go over just to the very first chapter of Judges, as soon as Joshua passes away, they go up and they inquire, who of us shall go before the Canaanites? There was still an enemy in front of them. They still had trouble lurking around them, but yet God looked at them and said, I give you everything, all came to pass. When God speaks something, even though that we cannot see it in our lives right now, even though we don't understand how it came to pass or how it's going to come to pass, you can rest assured on the promises of God that what He has said will happen in your life. What He has said will happen throughout the course of history. When He said that He was going to come back again in like manner, He is going to come back again in like manner. When He said the dead in Christ shall rise first and then them which are alive and remain shall be caught up and we will forever be with him. Then he meant what he said, that promise of God still stands. When he said that we would rule and reign with him for a thousand years, that promise still stands. When he said that we will have residence in a new heaven and a new earth and in a new Jerusalem and we will be at the throne of God forever and ever, that promise of God still stands. It came to pass. It has already happened. Why? Because when God says it, 
it's done. Whether it's happened for us yet or not is irrelevant. It has already happened in the eyes of the Lord. But let me give you three points out of here, and then I've got a bunch of things I want to go through. Promises that you need to take with you and stand upon. You're going to see three things in that little passage. Joshua 21, 43 through 45. You can go look at it. You can read it now. But the first thing you will notice is that the Lord gave unto Israel all the land. You go back and you read through Joshua and you will understand that took victory after victory. Not victory that they had in their power to do, but victory that had to come from the hand of the Lord. Why? Because even at one point there was five kings that bound together to stand against them. Nation after nation united. They, their armies were bigger, they were stronger, and they were more united. And they were standing in front of Israel. But God had made a promise that the land would be theirs and he went before them and he granted them victory so number one tonight we need victory in our lives but you must understand that it comes only from God there are things in our lives that we will never ever be able to get over but everything is under the power of God and he can grant us victory over the seemingly impossible. When something seems like there's no way that we can overcome it, God will grant it, and then it can come to pass. The nation of Israel couldn't do it. We can't do it. But in Christ Jesus, we can find victory over what we need. But now once we have victory, once they had victory, all they had ever known was the life that was behind them. They had never known anything other than maybe as a very young child being a slave in Egypt, coming out, seeing all of their family die, and now there's this land in front of them that was promised to them 400 years ago. A lot of times I believe we're the same way, especially if you're a newer convert and you come into the church world and all you've ever known is everything that you used to do. And all of a sudden, when you say that you've got saved or that you're going to church, there are certain people that just won't talk to you. They just kind of die off. They die away. You have to learn how to possess that newness. That's the very next thing that happened. After the Lord gave them victory, it said they possessed it. How many of us possess our walk with Christ? We are told, Possess our vessels in honor and sanctification. We're told that we need to put some effort into this thing. But how many of us really grab a hold of and own or possess our walk with Jesus Christ? Can I tell you, if they would have went up to this land and they would have had victory over all of these armies, but they never possessed the land, but instead chose to stay where they were at, one of two things would have happened. The people that they defeated would have repopulated and come back in and the land still wouldn't have been theirs, or it would have just been overgrown and wild and no good for nothing. We are much the same way. Matter of fact, uh, it comes to mind in the New Testament it talks about the the man's mind being free a demon being cast out but he didn't fill up his mind and they come back seven the same thing could have happened here if they wouldn't have possessed it they would have never been theirs even though they had the victory they had to possess what was in front of them once we have our victory in hand 
We must learn to possess our walk in Jesus Christ. We must possess the promises of God. We must possess everything that He has told us. We must own it. We must make it our own. We must become intimately familiar with it. We must walk in it day to day. We need to walk in the Spirit, not the flesh. Until Israel accepted the victory and stayed in the freshness of the power of God revealed to them, they didn't possess it. They just simply hoped. You can come to the altar, you can get saved, and you can hope that God does something with your life. But he's not going to if you don't possess it, if you don't own it, if you don't walk in it, if you don't put effort in. But once you have victory, once you learn to possess what God has for you, what you will see at the very beginning of verse 44, it says, and the Lord gave them rest round about. You see, you can think you're resting, but if you don't have the victory over what you used to be, if you don't possess what God has for you today, you never truly rest. Because there's always nagging concern. There's always something that is worrying you. There's always something resting in the back of your mind that you are not sure about tomorrow. Now you can argue with me and that's okay. You can be wrong. I've told you all that before. But if you don't have victory and you don't possess your walk with Christ, you will not have rest. It's hard enough to find rest even when you have victory and even when you have that possession of Jesus Christ. Rest means knowing that God is in control. Why do you need to worry? The creator of all of heaven and all of earth, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God has it all in the palm of his hand. What do you have to fret about? God holds tomorrow, and it's only with possessing the promises through victory that we don't worry about yesterday. Don't tell me you don't worry about yesterday. Yesterday's already done and gone, and there's nothing that can do to change it. But what will we do? We'll still sit down and worry about what happened yesterday. It's human nature. We do it. We worry about today. And then we look to tomorrow and we don't know how we're going to get through. But when God is in control and we know that all will come to pass and that we one day will have a heavenly home. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then one day I'm going to come back and I'm going to receive you, take you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We have the promise of God that he is coming back, that he is in control. And in that we can find rest. So let me get to where I really want to get to. All oh, that's just preliminary. What are we expecting? I told you we have no problems with expectations, right? We've got a problem with perseverance, but we don't have a problem with expectations. But maybe the better question is, what should we expect? What are the promises of God toward us? What promises has God made Stanley? 
What promises has God made many? What promises has God made any of us in here? Now, I don't know what he's promised you personally in your prayer life because I do believe God will give us personal promises. That's part of what I've got here. I didn't even, there's no way I could have took every promise out of the Bible to go through them. We would be here until next week and I would still be reading. That is how great God loves us. But when we hear today that all came to pass, here's my question to you. What can we reasonably expect to occur? This is what we can expect according to the word of the Lord. Isaiah 41 and 10 tells you that you can expect God to uphold you, to strengthen you, to help you. Isaiah 26 and 3 lets you know to expect to be kept in perfect peace. Deuteronomy 31 and 8 assures you that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. John 16 and 33 ensures you that in the midst of a world full of tribulation that you have peace in Christ because he has already overcome the world. Psalm 32 and 8 ensures that God will instruct and teach you along the way. Psalm 37, 23 and 24 gives you the promise that God will order your steps and even uphold you when you stumble. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29 promises rest and a lighter load for your life. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 gives the promise of power through Jesus Christ and grace. Isaiah 40 and 31 promises you strength and endurance. Philippians 4 and 7 promises peace that will guard your heart and mind. Psalm 34, 17 and 91 and 3 both say that God will save you from trouble. Romans 8 and 28 tells you that God will work things for your good. Isaiah 40 and 29 again promises you strength and power. And 43 and 2 promises that he will protect you and provide for you. Isaiah 54 and 17 says that no weapon formed against you shall prevail. James 1 and 5, God promises that if you need wisdom, he will give you wisdom. 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 promises us forgiveness, and not just forgiveness, but a social and political healing of our land. These are promises of God that we can stand upon, that we can recite, that we can remind him of, that we can live with from day to day. John 3.16 and John 3.36 promises us eternal life. John 8.36 promises us that the one that the Son sets free is free indeed. We can go to Malachi 3 and 10 and he promises us that the floodgates of heaven will open up and pour out a blessing so much that we can't even contain it. Mark 11 and 24 simply promises us answered prayers. Forgotten prayers, remembered prayers, prayers that you're praying today, prayers that you prayed yesterday, prayers that you're thinking about to pray tomorrow. Mark 11, 24 promises you that God answers prayers. Joshua 1 and 9 assures you that God will accompany you. Philippians 4.19 promises that your every need will be met. 
Psalm 37 and 4 goes even further than that and says that he will even give us the very desires of our heart. You have a desire in your heart and you're serving God, stand upon the promise of God that he will give you not just what you need. He won't just provide food for your table. He won't just provide the necessities of day-to-day life, but he'll make you comfortable. He'll give you the very desires of your heart. It's a promise of God. It's not a promise of Steve. It's not a promise of some preacher. It's a promise of God Almighty himself before he ever even sent Jesus Christ into the world. He looked at his people and he said, I will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 50 and 15 promises you deliverance. Psalm 9 and 9 promises that he is a refuge. A big debate right now is why people don't run to church when they have problems, but they run from church. That's a a larger general debate that I've even heard in here and I've seen other pastors. I don't have the answers, but what I do know is that God is a refuge. The world will give you up in a heartbeat if it benefits them. Your friends will give you up in a heartbeat if it benefits them. But when you run into a refuge, he's not going to give you up. But rather all of the promises of God are yes and amen. And he says he will uphold you even when you stumble. That he will protect you. That he will provide for you. That he will give you the desires of your heart. That he will watch over you. That he will never leave you nor forsake you. That he will accompany you everywhere that you go. Proverbs 3 and 6 promises guidance. But I think I saved the best two for last. All of those ought to make you shout. They ought to have you on the inside at the very least, even if you're not a very emotional person. On the inside right now, you ought to be saying hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that I've got all of these promises that I can stand on that when it seems like all of hell is against me and I can't overcome it, that you've already promised me that you've already overcome the world. That when it feels like all of yesterday is bearing down on me, that you've already put the past behind me and you're not even holding it against me, you've blotted out my transgressions. So what can they do to me? Because all they can do is hurt the body. I don't have nothing to fear from them. We ought to be shouting that... Instead of worrying about going hungry, his seed is never begged for bread. We need to be thankful to him that instead of having to go to a priest once a year, we can go boldly before the throne of grace because our Savior is already there as the only mediator between God and man to make intercessory prayer for me and you. We already need to be shouting on the inside. But 1 John 1 and 9 promises us the forgiveness of of sin now I know in other places for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth I'm thankful for that but 1 John 1 and 9 promises that he will forgive me but I like Exodus 14 and 14 that promise the best of them all I believe because there's a lot of battles you just can't overcome Going back to victory, I told you that those victories, all the victories that Israel had was by the hand of God. Jericho's walls fell and they never the first time laid a hand on that wall. They went out day one and they marched around once. 
They went out day two and they marched around once. They went out day three and they marched around once. They went out on day four and they marched around once. They went out on day five and they marched around once. On day six, they went back out and they marched around once. In all six of those days that they went out and they marched around one time, they just went back to the camp. Six days they went out and they marched around and not a thing happened other than Jericho looking and wondering what in the world are these crazy people doing. But they were being obedient. They were listening to the Lord. Then on the seventh day they went out and they marched around seven times. And when they marched around and they blew the trumpets, the walls of Jericho crumbled to the ground. They didn't lay one hand on it. They didn't touch a thing. But it was the power of God that brought victory in their life. The power of God can bring victory in your life. It can help you possess what you need to possess. And it can give you rest on every side. You just need to understand that all the promises of God all came to pass. He's already promised it. He's already settled it. You might not have seen it come through yet, but it has already came to pass in the eyes of the Lord. I don't know what He's promised you, but here's what Exodus 14 and 14 has promised, that the Lord your God will fight for you. There is nothing you have left to do to attain the promises of God except stand on His Word, except follow after Him, and everything that He has promised, everything from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21, every promise that has been made in your prayer life, every promise that He made to your great-grandparents, to your grandparents, to your mommy and daddy, and to your children about you, every promise of God is yes and amen, and it has already come to pass. The Lord your God will fight for you. There's nothing you can do to get them. So I'm going to do the altar call a little different. 